Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Listen, you've heard my hashtag, different, better, more. What will you do differently, better, or more of in 2023? Some of you have already committed to healing from grief by working with me and my non-clinical approach to grief recovery and support. But for those of you who want to round out your healing with a clinical approach, there's BetterHelp and their network of over 25,000 licensed therapists. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether that's by text, by chat, phone, or even video. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, with more scheduling flexibility and at a much more affordable price. Use this link to get 10% off your first month. BetterHelp.com forward slash C words. That's better H-E-L-P.com forward slash C words. Listen, grief doesn't have to be grim. That's why when I talk about it on this podcast, it's about dealing with grief and loss in a way that influences the changes you want to make in your life. As you heal, what do you want to do next? Make a professional pivot in the toxic relationship or friendship, I want you to have the confidence to navigate change. These are real stories from my one-on-one coaching sessions and my inspiring interviews with change makers. I'm Marcia Cork, the change coach, and this is Ooh, Those Effing C Words. Welcome back, MCs. I am Marcia Cork. Happy Juneteenth. We have more Black excellence for you today. Jasmine Henley-Brown is back with part two of our conversation. She tells us how her love for reality TV and pop culture really informs her professional acumen and never has her starstruck. She also gives some incredibly juicy details on how independent creatives can get their own shows produced from ideation to production. She tells us the process. So all that's coming up next. Let's get started. All right. So tell me, um, how does this being a reality TV addict, how did that support (laughs) you breaking into the industry? Um, again, it makes you in tune with the culture, Uh right? Like I watch, so I love watching people. I could watch people for hours. So I will watch any reality TV show at least once, right? Mm -hmm. And reality TV as a genre is huge. So typically when you're talking to people, there's a reference somewhere that I'll make that someone might catch on to or they might get. Um, And so that's that's helped me a lot. Um, It's helped me in development. It's helped me with talent meetings for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah. I I hope that answers your question. Yeah, 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 it does. So what can, how can people prepare for breaking into executive production? Well, let's do this. Can you explain the difference between production and executive production? Yes. Um, 
podcast specific. Okay. Like your executive producer oversees the entire production team. So you have associate producers, producers, um, senior producers. That's tiered associate producers. And producers. Yeah, so your associate producer is going to be like your entry level um, producer. Pro when you get to producer, that's I, I would say the midway point, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so that's somebody that is you know very good at cutting tape. They're good at development. They might just need to get the speed or you know uh, brush up their editorial skills a little bit. Um, then you get to senior producer. Um, that person for me is kind of like the next in line for the executive producer. So that's somebody that can do all of the technical stuff mm -hmm. and all of the editorial stuff. Um, and they have really good um, instincts and they're really good with uh, working cross-functionally with other teams, right? Because mm -hmm. at that level, now you're working with your marketing team within our, the way that is set up at like the, on the corporate level, mm -hmm. you're working cross-functionally with a lot of teams. And so that's what the executive producer does. I oversee all of those people. And then I oversee all of the relationships with our uh, cross-functional teams. Okay. So like when marketing needs something or we're launching a show and we have to have a meeting around how we're going to market the show, I'm in those meetings. And then I'm kind of um, adding my own input uh, with sales in those meetings, uh, you know, finance in those meetings. I'm doing a lot of development um, directly to our head of podcasts and our VPs. So mm -hmm. it's less uh, in the weeds of the kind of day-to-day -day, like cutting tape and, you know, writing scripts and mm -hmm. more of like high level kind of oversight into like everything that's going on with all of the shows. So okay. I'm, I'm executive producing three shows right now, two that have launched and one that's launching in May. So I'm overseeing the teams for all three of those shows, um, plus everything cross-functionally. And are you developing, are you constantly in motion for developing new shows? Yep. I have a talent meeting tomorrow for a show that I developed. And so it's, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, the executive producer is kind of the person who um, manage, manages all of those parts mm -hmm. at kind of each step and each level. Okay. And I would assume that maybe some of these roles or departments don't exist depending on the size of the company. So like you said, you're with a Sony right now. So mm -hmm. is Sony, um, is will a smaller company have internal marketing teams as right. part of, so, so that will vary depending on the size then. For sure. And it, it could like what you do as an executive producer um, could vary as well. It's just like, you know, film and TV production, the producer, can mean so many different things. Sometimes when you watch a movie, you see executive producer, that could just mean that that person contributed financially to that yeah. film yeah. and they got the executive producer credit, or that could mean they might be a producer because they helped find, um, you know, investors or somebody else. And then they become the producer there. At a smaller company though, uh -huh. you might as the executive producer be marketing. Like you might also be the person to okay. like put the marketing plan together. You might be the person that is going out and finding another agency that's going to help you with your ad sales. Okay. You might be the social media manager for the podcast. If you are an indie creator, you're going to be all of those things. Mm -hmm. Plus the, the talent and the host for your right. podcast. So there's a point where you can wear every single hat um, if you're working with a smaller company or if you're working independently.
Yeah. And then there's some roles that you're mentioning that I guess, you know, I never really even think of in terms of radio or podcasting, and that's editorial. And that that, mm-hmm. is, that is a part of, um, you know, producing content for the show daily is yeah. that there's writers and editors mm-hmm. would mm-hmm. not have thought of that. Yeah. And, but <laughs> you know, with your podcast, you are all of those things. You're the yeah. writer, you're the editor, you're social media, you're marketing, you're PR, right? Yep. You know what I mean? Like you're wearing all the hats and yeah, when you work, you know, in a big corporation that's typically handled by uh, other teams. Mm-hmm. So we mentioned rubbing elbows earlier. What's that relationship like? I mean, you have worked with some major talent. So I mentioned being approachable earlier. I mean, what's the, just just working with celebrity talent? Um, you've mentioned shows like the, well, The Breakfast Club, the, uh, you, just so many. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what it's like working on a day-to-day basis with just, you know, such large um, and visible talent. I think since I've been doing it like a decade now, mm-hmm. it really just feels like a part of the job. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't, I don't get starstruck if at all, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure there are people that I haven't met yet that I probably would be a little uh-huh. closer by, uh-huh. but I think I learned just early on that like celebrities or really visible people, they are people just like, just like me. Yeah, yeah. So that actually makes it easier to approach them, honestly, because it's like, well, I mean, you could say no, but there's no foul in me asking you yeah. or approaching you or coming up to you or sending you an email. Like I've sent emails to Beyonce's publicist to try to like book her for stuff. Mm-hmm. Have, have she responded? Absolutely not. But I'm not afraid to do it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's either going to be a, a yes or a no, or, you know, in this case, a no re- response, but one day I might get a response. So. Oh my goodness. That sounds like such a challenging part of the job. Just booking talent, period. Just being able yeah. to track people down, for teams to be responsive and to have to do that. I mean, for a podcast, I mean, I guess, especially when you have a large team to do that on a week to week basis, but I could not imagine booking guests for a daily show, something like the breakfast club and the, those types of shows. Yeah. Um, the booking guest booking is definitely challenging. Um, and that's, that's something I would say if you are like a guest focused podcast or whatever you're trying to create, TV show, whatever. Mm-hmm. If you're guest focused, I would invest in hiring someone who has experience with booking talent because mm-hmm. um, you will eventually like find your rhythm um, mm-hmm. within booking, but it's, it's also kind of hard to do. Like you said, you have to track people down. Yeah. So it's like, I could send you, Marcia, an email to ask if you're interested and then you'll email me back and say yes. So now I have to figure out with your schedule and the talent schedule what day yep. We can make it work. And then it's like, is it virtual? Is it in person? If it's in person, what are the logistics to like getting you to where we are? Like there's so many things that go into booking Mm -hmm. um, unless you're a person that already has a wide range of contacts. Then it's easier for you because you're probably just saying, hey, can you do this? Or hey, can you connect me with such and such? Mm -hmm. But I would say, you know, just as a tip for independent um, creators, if you can invest in a in a booker and your show relies heavily on guests, I would mm-hmm. do that. Okay. What other investments do you think are worth it? Um, equipment, 
Um, so like microphones, if you're doing a podcast, like <laughs> the audio experience is so, I don't think people understand, mm -hmm. especially in a sea of 2 million plus or however many million podcasts there are yeah. to stand out to outside of being consistent. If I listen to your show in the, in the first two minutes, the audio is bad or like yeah. I have to turn my volume volume all the way up and I can still barely hear, hear you yeah. or there's background noises I'm turning it off right and that's yeah. the difference between like getting your podcast out to people mm -hmm. and just kind of only capturing a really small audience because some people don't care but for the majority of people the 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 audio experience is important so definitely invest in a Absolutely. really good mic like the sure microphones are amazing um I would invest in maybe Pro Tools uh, for your audio editing if you can um, get a license. So those are some of the other investments. Mm -hmm. I also will say, um, you know, if you're doing narrative stuff or anything that involves heavy research, if mm -hmm. you aren't familiar with how to properly research, yeah, uh -huh. hire a researcher. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that. So yeah, it's just it depends on what the project is. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say just universally, please get, get the, the sound uh, equipment together. <laughs> First and foremost. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay. Any wild stories with any of your celebrity talent or crazy industry stories? Oh, my gosh. I will say a really interesting one. Um, I went to Sierra's birthday party like some year, like, I think this was 2012. It was okay. definitely when I was living in New York the first time. And Sierra is one of the most beautiful people I've ever seen mm -hmm. in real life. Like she is like a Barbie doll. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> she kept thinking like something was wrong with her outfit the whole night. And I remember like watching her and I'm just like, you are so perfect right now. Like nothing is wrong mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. I remember we were going to take a picture with her and she's like, wait, I got to fix this. I got to fix that. And I'm like, I remember thinking in my head, like, bitch, you are perfect. Like, you are beautiful. <laughs> like, you don't have to fix a thing. Um, so that that experience always, like, sticks out to me in my mind when I, especially when I think of celebrities as, like, these highly visible people. I'm like, they're yeah. just like us. They have insecurities like us. They worry yeah. about how they look just like us. Um, and so that's one that I can just call back to now. But, I mean... Okay. I don't know. Me and Carl Carlos and I have a lot of experiences just because we always cut up. And I know that's like um you're I can imagine. Yeah. So like <laughs> what work must he, be like working with yeah, so I will say he is he is one of my favorite people to just work with. To just I just called him the other day and we just every time I call him, I'm like, I just need five minutes. It's 30 minutes later. And we're like, okay, uh -huh. we gotta get off the phone. You know, so he is so much fun to work with and I'm, I'm really glad it worked out like that because you know there are people that I've met that I thought would be really cool and really fun and they didn't turn out to be that way so I'm really mm -hmm. glad that he is exactly what I thought he was going to be I love it I love it and it sounds like it uh it's, it sounds like he's doing that independently now is it still network affiliated or has Kingdom Rain um, not that I know of. like I know he's not with he's he's not on more sauce anymore yeah he's not with um, SiriusXM slash Stitcher anymore. Um, his icon, his logo appears on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. I, that's such a Carlos thing to do. Okay. 
Yeah. Okay, you said you had a story about him talking about your voiceover talent. Oh my God. Yes. I, his trailer for reality with the King, uh -huh. listen to the trailer. There's a person in the beginning that is like talking with this British accent. Mm -hmm. and it's me. And so we, Okay. We did that. And so when I was like updating my website, I was like, I'm going to put that I'm a voiceover actress. And we were just cutting up and like laughing. Uh, and was like, girl, you're not really a voiceover actress. And the accent was very, very bad. <laughs> but go off. <laughs> okay. Got you. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I didn't actually put that in the introduction. Then I was like, oh, we have that in common. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. Definitely not professionally. Like I, I've done, like when I said, I wrote some self-care, um, some meditations for a self-care app. Mm -hmm. They had me do the voiceover for that too, but I'm not a serious like voiceover artist at all. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. So what's next for you? Um, TV and film. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Tell me more. Tell me more. So I am developing, well, I developed a, a, a TV show and it was in kind of like the pitch stages. Um, I got rejected from one one place they didn't want to buy it but it's still being pitched and then I'm still developing um some other stuff I'm I just got done writing a holiday movie um mm. that I'm gonna be pitching um a documentary that I'm working on okay. and then like another unscripted thing so I have three different projects that I'm actively working on right now with the fourth being kind of complete and in the pitch stage so um, but that's that's a very long process as well. Mm -hmm. Like that's not something that I'm even expecting to to really pop off for me even within a year. It would be amazing if it does. Um, and I don't know. I'm really lucky, so a lot of things really do work out for me. So maybe it'll happen. Yeah. You know, within a year. <laughs> and I'm watching the time, but I hope. But but, but would you be willing to talk about that? Because that would be really helpful too to give people the in the the nuances of actually developing and pitching something. Sure. Yeah, I'm I'm free. Okay. Um, what what would you like to know? There's so many different ways to start. So start. Let's start from ideation. So a person that has an idea but just doesn't think they have the types of connections or mm -hmm. background to develop and get it in front of, um, in front of people who can really make decisions and make it happen. Have it see the light of day. I think you have to you have to do that. You know, if you have if you have an idea and you think the idea is really really good, first get it on paper. So like write it out, write out the beats. If it's a um, if it's a movie, right, write it out scene by scene. Like what happens between scene one and scene fifty? Mm -hmm. Like what is happening scene by scene? Who are your characters? And really kind of describing the characters in a way that seems like they don't it's not going to matter, um, but it, it is going to matter. So okay. really coming up with the characters and I would say how to making sure you understand how each character relates to the other one. Um, so that's all things you're doing before you even start writing a script. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and so then once you have that in a, you know, a log line, so like really in one or two sentences, what is this about? Um, once you have that, then you can start writing a script. Um, and then I would say the first script doesn't have to be the best. You just need to write a script so you can get the movie done, okay. right? So your first script is, there's a 99% chance it's going to suck by the time you get to the finished product, but you have to just get it out there. Uh -huh. um, and so get that. And then like the visual is also important. So a really good deck is 
going to be what you will be sending to, you know, if you don't have an agent, mm-hmm. an agent to represent you, that's what you're going to be sending to an agent to get them even interested in representing you. And that's a, like a overview of what your story is about. And I'm using a scripted, like a movie as an example, because it's the easiest one. Okay. To, but the deck is going to kind of have a, you know, a title page and then a log line page and then, um, you know, an about page and then mm-hmm. kind of breaking, again, breaking the movie down scene by scene, breaking mm-hmm. your main cast of characters down um, and who they are, how they relate to each other and mm-hmm. um, making it really visually appealing. Um, and so that is kind of where you can get started uh, with, I would say, a scripted idea. Okay. Um, once you have those things, finding representation. Now, some people can you know, pitch themselves and they don't need agents. I just think having that buffer and having that protection of having an agent is the way that I wanted to do it. Mm So um, I don't have an agent, but I have an agent that is representing me on a project. So she's not my official agent yet, but she's representing me on this current project. And if that goes well, then fingers crossed, she will be like my actual agent. Gotcha. Okay. So you mentioned visuals. So it sounds like, it sounds like nothing actually has to be recorded per se. But it does have to be scripted and you do have to be able to, what, explain the scene, explain the environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to be able to paint a picture. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a really good deck for, you know, the show Stranger Things? Yeah. Now, that's an episodic show, but it's a scripted show. Their deck is phenomenal. Like, it, I, I looked at it, and it's not even, it wasn't even titled Stranger Things when they wrote that deck. And that mm-hmm. goes to show how much the story is going to change over time. Mm-hmm. But the core pieces are there, right? It's like this um, is set in this small town um, in the past. And there's this kind of scientific governmental experience, experiment happening that they don't want people to know about. And there are these children that are the central figures to this story. So those elements are there, but the title is a completely different title than what we ended up having now. But the deck is so good. I'm reading through it and I'm like, if I was an exec, I would buy this and I would develop mm. it. So, I so is the deck accessible to the public? It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, tell me about that. How do people access? How do people know these things? I mean, um, I guess if you're in the industry, you know, but. Yeah, I, honestly, I think somebody tweeted that their deck mm-hmm. or it might have been a website that there's like a there's there are websites that have scripts on them yeah. so you can go and like read scripts for different movies and see how the writers kind of like wrote these things out and also see the differences in like what the script says versus how you've experienced those characters yeah. in that movie um when you actually watch it so a lot of this stuff is out there I, I like i said i think with the stranger things deck i think someone tweeted it or i found it on a website i could send it to you though because is that good? It's one of those things okay. where get, every time I look at it, I'm like, oh, I I can't wait to make my next deck because it's so good. And I've actually okay. like made decks with kind of that as my inspiration. So I can say yes, please share that. I can put it in the episode notes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has been awesome. Look, I got so many gems. I didn't even know um, I, I was digging for. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm again, I, I am so long-winded and I can be all over the place. That's just how my brain works. Yeah. No. Um, I hope it, you know, as can become cohesive, you know, yeah. once people listen. And the biggest thing is just be really bold with, you know, what you want to do. If it's a podcast, like don't be afraid to start your podcast. I know we talked a lot about the market being oversatur- overly saturated, but um, there's still room for you mm-hmm. to create and it doesn't 
all it takes is consistency and all it takes for you to start to really kind of do something that could potentially change your life. Yeah. I love that. And so, you know, your example, your story today, I think is, um, it shows where some people fall short. So you being in New York, taking it upon yourself to just waltz into vibe and say, I'm here and this is what I have. I, you know, at least you had a destination. You had an address, albeit an uh, outdated address. But but for, for, for someone who does do the work to develop that debt, you know, they do their research. Sometimes they just don't know the next step. They don't know how to get it into hands or to even know, like we said, to access good examples of decks. So when you don't know that, it's hard to, um, you know, determine your next steps. So do you have any suggestions for navigating that? You know, that's a that's interesting because I think a lot of people, myself included, we get to a point in our career where a lot of things are second nature to us. Mm-hmm. So we can't fathom mm-hmm. not knowing. Right. Right. Like I can't yeah. fathom not knowing how to reach out to someone and ask them to connect me to somebody or reaching out to an agent or writing a script or creating a deck. I can't fathom not knowing it, but it's only yeah. because I've had the luxury of doing it now for a while. Mm-hmm. So I would say, ask someone who knows. If you yourself don't know, yeah, somebody in your life or a connection of someone in your life has yeah. to know, right? And you just have to ask. And like, people are assholes sometimes and like they won't respond or, you know, they'll say no, but just continue asking because mm-hmm. I don't know about everybody else. I only learn, like I learn the best when I'm actually able to like do things and watch other people do them. That's mm-hmm. just how my brain works. And so mm-hmm. if you are that kind of person. You ask someone if it's a podcast producer and you want to be a podcast producer, like, hey, do you mind if I spend, you know, an hour on a Zoom with you while you cut some tape? I really want to learn how to do this, but I've never done it before. They might say no, but somebody's going to say yes to you. So the biggest takeaway is like, ask for what you want because you will never get it if you don't ask. That's a guarantee. You are 100% not going to get it if you don't ask. Well, I have to say, I'm surprised at how often LinkedIn is mentioned. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you use LinkedIn a lot? I do. That was actually how you and I connected initially was on LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know (laughs) Instagram. Yeah. Like LinkedIn is is an amazing way. I also, I'll say, you know, Marcia, something that you do that I love, like you constantly create value for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you reach out to someone, you don't just like introduce yourself. It's like, Hey, I am Marcia and I do X, Y, and Z. I would love to like show you X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. right? So you, you're always constantly creating value to yourself and you're very persistent as well. And like, um, you don't just, if somebody's like, okay, thanks, I don't have a need for this. It's not like you never reach out to them again. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. I got another angle for you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's, there's something else. You caught that. <laughs> I, I love that. That That is 100%, you know, those are tactics that like I've used um, I I still do, right? Like, what what is that saying? If um, one door closes, a window opens. Window opens yeah. I love people who are like, the door might have closed, but I found a window. I found a little uh, doggy in uh-huh. <laughs> the back door. Um, there's a basement. There's a cellar door that I can go through. Yeah. Like, I love people like that. So that you should actually 
teach a class on just how to constantly, you know, reach out to people without feeling like you're you're overdoing it, yeah. but reaching out just enough to where you you stay at the top of their mind yeah. um, and then always creating value for yourself. So that's what I would say is like, you know, people could take a page out of your book, just ask and have some value when you ask. Thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Well, listen, I can let you get back to your day, but is there anything you want to close out with? Any wisdom, guidance, any more than you've already shared or point us to some of your projects? Um, So you can listen to, I have two, two podcasts out right now that just launched with Sony uh, Entertainment Podcast. One is called It's Giving Fashion and mm -hmm. it is hosted by Shea Coulee who is the um, All-Stars 5 winner of RuPaul's Drag Race and just an iconic drag queen. Like, yeah. so much fun. Um, so listen to that every Thursday, wherever you get your podcast. And then um, our newest baby is called The Social Dose, which is like your go-to for all things social media that, that are happening in social media. It's like the yesification of news. Yesification. Okay, um, okay. It's, uh -huh. okay, okay. it's so much fun. Um, it's hosted by Paris. Uh, Nicholson and Michael Judson Berry. Their first episode had Candace Dillard Bassett from the Real Housewives of Potomac on as a correspondent. Okay. So you can find that podcast comes out every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, wherever you get your podcast. Okay. Um, so those are the two things that I have out now, but stay tuned. Like I'm always working, always developing. So um, I'm sure in a couple months, I'll have something else that people can check out. All right. Awesome. Well, that's it. Thank you, ma'am. You're welcome. welcome. Yeah, this was, I'm so sorry. I talk so much, Marcy. I should have warned you about that. <laughs> like, I talk so much that I often forget, like, what the initial point was that I was trying to make. I do the same thing.